All right. What's happening, everybody? What's going on? I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 411 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. In this episode, if you uh, if you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking some Knicks. It's been a bit. Uh, we have one the other week, but kind of excited for this one. Kind of excited, kind of excited to talk Knicks because, listen, it's um, the season is right around the corner. Actually, the first preseason game begins on October fourth, which I don't know what day that is. Kind of set myself up for failure there. It's in a couple days, okay? Because as I am recording, it's October first, Saturday. So that means tomorrow, second Monday, the third Tuesday, Tuesday night. We'll see some Knicks basketball for the first time in, I don't know, a few months. So we're going to talk. This is a Knicks 2022-2023 season preview episode. So if you are new here, be sure to do all the stuff that you usually do. Subscribe to the podcast, download these episodes. You know where to find me on social media. And um, I don't think we need to waste any more time. You know, of course, you can find my blog, bd4blog.com, where it has all of my information, the podcast, my social media, and the actual blog that I write about the Knicks, Yankees, and MMA. So welcome to BD4. Thanks for stopping by. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA too. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. So, I was listening to or watching some of the press conference the other day. You know, Thibodeau had a press conference, and then they interviewed some of the players. First off, how are we feeling? How are we feeling about Bearded Thibodeau? Do we like Bearded Tibbs? Yes? No? I think it's cool. I think it looks pretty fly. Kind of, you know, I don't know. I heard somebody make a pretty funny comment on some Nick's stream. Um, it's like, he looks like a depressed old man who's just gonna run the veterans out there. (laughs) But, um, yeah. I was listening to the press conference, and of course, it wouldn't be a Thibodeau press conference if, right off the bat, he gets into it about lineups. And, you know, his rotations are one of his, you know, they're one of the reasons that Knicks fans, um, get frustrated with Thibodeau. It is because of his rotation. So he mentions the rotation, and <laughs> one of the few things I took from it was his comments. I guess we'll start here with um, Obi Toppin and Julius Randle. <laughs> and, you know, one of the reporters asked why Tibbs didn't really play them much together last year despite the analytics being positive. And Thibodeau's response was basically as basically telling the Nick fan base that it's not going to happen, that they're still not going to be playing together. He's, he literally told us that as straight as you can get without actually saying it straight up. So they asked him about why he doesn't play them together, and he goes, well, yeah, the analytics are positive when they're on the floor together, but a lot of that is skewed since they play together in blowouts a lot. 
usually when a coach says that, that's that's probably telling. Like like he could have easily just said, "Well, yeah, they do play good together. They 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 do play well together, and that's something we want to experiment more with. We liked what we saw." No, he he, he immediately immediately kind of shuts it down, and so I, I I'm kind of expecting. Kind of trying to prepare myself for for another season where we probably don't get much of Obi Toppin, and that's very unfortunate. Um, Randall's not going to sit. Okay, he he's the big money guy. He's the guy they brought in here. He's not going to sit. Obi's not going to start. Um, I I think though, hopefully it's possible for Obi to get some more minutes. Like obviously what he did last season be a very productive offensive player and provide energy and a spark off the bench wasn't enough. And so what I think going forward it has to be for Obi, <clears throat> excuse me, is he's just going to have to earn Tibbs' trust through one way. And it's really the one way that any player wins Tom Thibodeau over. <clears throat> um, and that's defense. Right, if Obi if Obi Toppin plays the boards, he rebounds and is is an NBA average defensive player, or just puts in the work to be near average. That's it. Then I think, then I think he will play. You know, I I think maybe you know watching Obi Toppin play, he likes obviously you know his style. His game is is leakouts. He loves those leakouts, running on the break. Maybe he doesn't always have to leak out. Maybe he sometimes puts emphasis on just getting that rebound. Um, and if he puts more focus on rebounding, on defense, maybe he'll get more than twelve minutes. Right? I'm not saying Obi is a bum, and I'm not saying that's right, because I know he can play. And he can contribute to winning. I mean, the numbers are absurd with him. Like the on-off plus-minus analytics when Obi's on the floor and off the floor, they are all very, very positive whether Tibbs wants to talk about blowouts or not. And whether or not those positive numbers translate with Obi getting more minutes is another question. I, I get that. However, it is clear that if you watch these Knicks games... And if you do, you know, pay attention like Thibodeau says, he watches film. Well, then it, it it should be clear to him that Obi still has the ability to help a team win games when he's on the floor more times than not. And we've seen that time and time again. Last year, he took a big leap. He really did. We just don't know how big of a leap he'll continue to take. You know, is he going to be NBA starter ready? Or will he ever be, you know, will he just end up being this guy who comes off the bench and, and becomes a spark and can only get limited minutes because his defense isn't good enough to keep him on the floor? So it's going to have to be defense, rebounding, and, and you know, maybe learn an offensive move or two that will get him more minutes. That's that's kind of what I took from that, is that if Obi is just the same type of offensive spark off the bench, he's probably not going to get a ton of more minutes. And it's probably going to be the same story. So uh, hopefully he put in the work this offseason and he's working on becoming a better defensive player, getting more rebounds, and being more active out there on the glass. Because he's got the motor. 
There's no question. It's nothing. It's not a, not an effort thing. It's just learning the new NBA schemes and it's and it's you know footwork and it's switching on screens and you know uh, things like that. Um, you know, not being so upright. A lot of times he'll stand upright defensively, and you can tell he doesn't move well. But we'll see how that works. Now, while he was talking about lineups, uh, this was actually a piece of information that came out a couple of days before. Uh, was that Evan Fournier? Um, he he's officially been named the starting two guard over Quentin Grimes. I wasn't surprised by this, um, but I do want to talk more about it when we get back from break. So stay with us. We'll be right back in one sec. Hey guys, so if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Sorry for that little delay there. Um, so he was talking about Evan Fournier, and he, he named him the starter, starting shooting guard. Now, I think the reasons for Evan Fournier being named the starting shooting guard are, are pretty obvious if you know Thibodeau and, and you know, just really just know how the NBA works. Um, one, he's, he's being paid the bucks. One second, let me adjust my camera here. He is being paid the big bucks. Um, so those guys usually get the starts. But, you know, Grimes, while a solid shooter, um, he's not exactly Fournier level. He's also not the playmaker that Fournier is. Um, and he's also, I think most importantly, you know, as much as we like to joke about it, he's not a veteran. And I'm not just saying that because Fournier's a veteran, but Fournier is a... Like, I, I think Tibbs... Also wants to see, and, and cover your ears, Knicks fans, more of that Fournier-Randall tandem. Kind of try to just, like, develop some continuity, keeping what we had together. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pretty always with Randall and Fournier. It wasn't exactly, um, who was it from two years ago that worked really well in the two-man game? Uh, Bullock. It wasn't exactly Reggie Bullock and Julius Randle type between them. But we did see the chemistry improve a little as time went on. We saw moments where where it could work. And so maybe I'm thinking Thibodeau sees that and he's thinking if he keeps them together, the chemistry will improve. Now the questions, if you're putting Fournier there at starting shooting guard, who's going to be the defender there? You know, who's going to be the defensive player at the wing and below. Because you look at it, and it's not going to be Brunson. We know that. He's not a defender. He's too tiny. It's, you know, we, we thought RJ was going to take that step last season. Never really happened. Flashes. But he never really became a defensive-minded player. And obviously it's not going to be Fournier. So, that that that's kind of concerning. 
and it's kind of I don't know. I feel like Fournier would fit better with the second unit because of his shooting and his ability to move off the ball and run off screens and come off all those L cuts. But like at least you have defensive players off the bench. You have Rose who can play defense. You have quickly. You've got you know, Sims in the front court along with, um, you know, if Cam Reddish gets minutes, he'll play defense. Uh, depending on if McBride plays, he'll get, he'll play defense. Like you have defensive players off the second unit that you can put Fournier out there with and, and not have to worry about. But again, I, I do understand it. Um, I, I think one thing I hope that we at least focus more defensively, more on defensively, is is a closing lineup. So if Grimes isn't going to get the start, can you at least put Quentin Grimes in all these closing lineups? That I'll be fine with, because it is how you finish, <clears throat> and it sort of makes perfect sense. Grimes plays excellent defense. He has the size, the strength, the hustle, the IQ, to where he's an excellent perimeter defender. He forces a ton of turnovers. We saw that plenty of times last year. We also saw plenty of times last season Evan Fournier get benched in the entire fourth quarter because of his defense. Especially if the Knicks were trying to protect the lead not gain one. I mean, if you watch Evan Fournier play defense, the offense is like opposing guards constantly went at him in point of attack. His pick and roll defense was just, wow. A slow-footed fuck is who he is, to put it nicely. Uh, So I at least hope that Quentin Grimes gets some closing minutes I think that'll be huge for the Knicks down the stretch. Emmanuel quickly. I would also like to see him in closing lineups. How do you not have quickly be a part of that unit? I think he led fourth quarter minutes last season with the Knicks. And he had a number of big performances down the stretch. But think about it. I mean, Brunson was certainly close. He just paid him and he's he proved his clutch play in the playoffs last year. R.J. Barrett will, you know, will obviously close. He's the face of the franchise. Just got his extension. Derrick Rose is even an option to close. He's healthy now. He has gotten clutch buckets over the course of his career. So if Grimes is out there too, it's kind of going to be tough to fit quickly in there. But you're going to have to kind of mix and match game by game. I'm very happy to see quickly and Rose back together because Rose was hurt most of last season. And when Rose was healthy, quickly was kind of struggling. But him and Rose, I, IQ and Rose, I guess we'll segue into this. Back together is going to be a great boost to that second unit. Remember, IQ started playing much better towards like the middle of February and on. That was like the last, I don't know, 25 games or so. He really looked good. Now, quickly, he's just going to have to improve the efficiency. You know, he can play good defense. That's an underrated aspect of his game that people don't often mention. He's a good perimeter defender. And obviously he can score. He can shoot the shit out of out of the three-point shot when he's hot. 
He can connect on the floater. And he can shoot the hell out of a free throw. But when he is hot is a thing. It's always very erratic with him because he's such a... Shot selection is a big thing with Quickly. That's going to depict his, his efficiency. Is he going to take heat checks when he's cold? Right? So I, th- I think he's got to work with, uh, focus on shot selection. And I think maybe... We, you know, we saw some flashes of it last year, and Clyde Frazier always talks about this. Maybe develop some kind of mid-range jump shot to where you don't always have to go to the floater when you're in that in-between area. I think that'll help with his efficiency. And again, we saw that more when he was playing well in the last 25 or so games. And, you know, hopefully with, you know, obviously with Alec Burks gone now, not having to play point guard, we get to see more of quickly paired with that first unit. Seeing him play alongside RJ and, and Julius would be nice. You know. But I want to see how quickly he gets off to a start this year. Because he usually, in his first two seasons, he got off to slow starts. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this October and November. But the point guard rotation is interesting. It's going to be nice to finally have a legitimate point guard rotation on this team. You know, Brunson over Kemba and Burks. That's, you know, it looks like an upgrade. Emmanuel quickly, Derek Rose, if 100% healthy like he says he is. And, again, I don't know if Deuce McBride's going to even have a big role. Um, and, and forget about the rookies. Um, I don't even know much about them. And this Hartenstein kid, I don't even know anything about him. Don't even know what position he plays. But the point guard rotation, Brunson, Quigley, Rose. You know, those are going to be the first three. And, of course, Quigley can slide up to the two, play off ball, combo guard type player. But Jalen Brunson, first and foremost, I like that signing. I, I think, yeah, it's a little pricey. But I'm kind of coming around on it. Um, and he's a tough guy. This is a guy with a tough... Gritty attitude. You watch him in the playoffs. You see how he is. He doesn't take shit. And he's a New York-born kid. But listening to R.J. Barrett talk about him was pretty telling. Don't know if you guys saw that clip of R.J., but basically he said, he said, it's nice to have another guy with that winner's DNA. And that kind of stood out to me. Another, not one more guy, right? Another guy. A.K.A. AKA we had one, me, not Randall. You know, now we have another. So, <laughs> I, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. I want to see how the dynamic between Jalen and RJ go. A nice little 1-3 pick and roll between them would be pretty cool to watch. But it could be fun. You know, the first time really since, Jesus, uh, Ray Felton, that we've had a stabilizer at point guard. Somebody who can get the Knicks into sets and run the pick and roll. Just simple things like that will be a blessing and, and very noticeable. And, and Jalen Brunson is a very efficient point guard, too. He doesn't stand out at you. I know that. He's not a superstar player. He might be a bit overpaid, but he's very efficient. He shot 67% last year at the rim. For a small guard like him, that's that's very solid. He can score at will in the paint, which was a big problem for the Knicks. So having a guy who can penetrate and get to the rim like that on a team that didn't have great rim efficiency last year is great. 
You know, Randall struggled at the rim. RJ obviously struggles at the rim. Kemba didn't have that first step quickness anymore. He can shoot the mid-range well at 47%. That's what he did last season. And he also shot the three at 37%. So you got yourself a three-level scorer at point guard. He's a 50% shooter overall. And he also limits the turnovers. He averages just 1.3 for his entire career. So, yeah, and you're going to see a tiny bit of a difference in pace having that guy take it up court and not watching 6'8 Julius Randle walk it up there for 7.9 seconds every game, right? Um, and hopefully that improves the pace of the offense, up the tempo. But I don't know how much of a full court, a full court guard Brunson is. But when I talk about the, the quickness of the offense, I'm not always talking about full court. I'm just sometimes talking about half-court sets and moving the ball quicker and running and cutting quicker and setting quick screens and just being more sharp and snappy. That doesn't always show up on the stat sheets. Uh, but the spacing is another question. I, I don't know how much the spacing is going to improve. Uh, the Knicks were an average shooting team last year. You know, Randall's going to have to improve that three-point shot. Hopefully he can be at least average again. But you got guys all, all in the starting five who primarily score inside the paint. So I'm not sure how much that's going to change. Brunson's inside the paint scorer. RJ's a slasher. Mitch and Randall get the majority of their buckets inside the paint. Um, you know, Randall's going to work the mid-range, but I still believe that teams are going to try and, and zone the Knicks and pack the paint on them. So the Knicks are going to just have to try and beat that with, again, quicker play in the half court, quicker decisions, quick ball movement, and that's how you beat a zone. But if Brunson performs like a strong point guard, the bottom line is I, I believe the Knicks have a chance to be a much better team. I, I think he's the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs because not only is he better than Kemba and Burks, but he's also a guy who can make the other four guys on the court a better, a better player. Can he unlock 2020 Julius Randle? Right? Randle's no longer a number one option. Hopefully that's the, I mean hopefully we we've gone away from that given that we saw the nightmare that was last season um, and we kind of force him to play off the ball more to do more screening and cutting and, and swing passing and if none of that does happen and Randall is still not getting his shit together and he still can't bottle up his emotions. And he isn't making the extra pass. And he's skipping rotations defensively still. Not making the hustle plays. And he's giving thumbs down. Not joining the team huddle. Slapping laptops. Skipping, skipping press conferences. All that. If that still becomes a thing. And he's still the same old Randall from 2020. Or 2021 rather. I, I think the Knicks have to move on from him then. And I could see it. Right? But right now, I'm going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's a new year. We're kind of putting that behind us. And, you know, from the, the media day the other day, Randall looks to be in better spirits. He's smiling. He's laughing. He says he was in a bad spot last year. So we'll take his word for it. We will see how long that lasts, though. Um, I will say there is nothing better in New York sports than the redemption story. Right? We love that. We will get on you. 
when you're down. But if you're doing good things for this organization, we treat you like a fucking king. I want to talk some more about another player um, as soon as we get back from break. Just stay with us one sec. We'll be right back. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify. But you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. <coughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 411 of BD4. <sighs> Cam Reddish was one of my favorites to watch um, at Duke. And, man, when the Knicks traded for him, I was excited. But all this talk, it's like, where does it leave Cam? You know, where the hell are the minutes going to come for Cam? We talked about Obi, Randall, RJ, Grimes, Fournier, everybody. Like, where is Cam minute? Where where is his minutes going to come from? Where are they going to come from? Do they ever come? You know, we've already heard trade rumors a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how true it was, but you know, it's hard to. Like, where is it going to come? And and he didn't play. Remember when he when he was healthy last year? He barely played. He barely played. And it kind of goes, again, because when he played, he started playing good before the injury. He started playing very productive, but he still didn't play much. And it kind of ties into Obi, where you can, playing well offensively is not going to be great enough for Tibbs. And with Cam Reddish, not just defense, but it's more just his motor. I think that's why he's not really a Thibodeau guy. It's his motor. It's going to come down to one simple thing. Effort. He's got to play extra hard. He has all the talent in the world. He's got all the tools. He's got the size. Right? He's tall. He's he's bulky. He's got a wingspan. He's got the athleticism. He's got a smooth-looking jumper. He's got big strides. Can get to the rim in two steps. He's got a natural feel out there. He's got great instincts. All that. But he still lacks that extra edge. That motor. Which is ironic because he was traded for. You know we we traded Kevin Knox for him. (laughs) But I think that's why Thibodeau doesn't really use him. He does not like him as a basketball player. We know Tibbs. Tibbs is old school. He's a boomer at his at his finest. And he will not play you if you do not play hard. Unless your name is Julius Randle. That was a whole different story, though. Um, at the same time, and this is probably just me being a Cam Reddish fan and, and trying to be hopeful and optimistic, I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Reddish, when he did get some minutes this year, and hopefully he does finds a way to revive his career a little bit. Maybe that's too harsh of a term. But knowing how Thibodeau is, maybe Cam Reddish heard that and sees that, and he had himself an offseason, and he hit the gym. And, you know, I hate to, to, to be one of those fans who 
glamorize over workout videos, but we, we, we've seen some things. Uh, but knowing that his contract is up this year, this is his final year on the deal, maybe it gives him a jolt, knowing his job is on the line. He's playing for his job. Right? He's already low on the pecking order. And the Knicks do need the talent. You know, motor, 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 all you want. Talk about that. But he is talented. They need any talent they can get, this Knicks team. So if Cam Reddish is dropping buckets and he has these 15-point games and he's playing with heart, I think you see him play more. Because I think that's what you possibly have here in Cam Reddish. I think if Cam Reddish is to peak, I think you have a guy who can get you 15 to 18 points on a nightly basis, 7 to 8 rebounds. A, a Paul George light, if you will. But it would be great if that were the case, and the Knicks unlocked that, especially given they won't be in the draft lottery in the near future, God forbid. Um, so it would be nice to kind of have a prize diamond in a rough. And, and Cam Reddish. But yeah, I mean, Tibbs runs a tight ship. You know, nine, ten man rotations. It's up to Cam. It's up to Cam and, and Cam Reddish only. I think it's going to come down to him really wanting it. Now, one guy from Duke that you don't have to worry about that with is uh, RJ Barrett, who just recently got extended. Congrats to him. Cam's Duke mate. Got the extension. I'm excited for him. He had a solid year last year. He keeps improving every single season. I think RJ just has to work on his flaws. Right? Shooting efficiency being one for him. Finishing his drives. Shooting off the dribble. I think I was listening to Knicks Fan TV the other day. And I think, uh, uh, what's his name? CP said that RJ is 33% off the dribble. Which... You know, pitiful. Um, free throw shooting leaves way too many points on the table because he can't make his free throws consistently. So the volume scoring is great. The points he scores, great. He went from 14 as a rookie, 17.8 as a sophomore, to 20 last year. So they're steadily improving, three points a year. But he has to improve the field goal percentages. The shooting percentages have to improve. And I'm not asking R.J. Barrett, let's be clear here, to be a 50-40-90 guy, okay? But just give me, you know, something in the 45% range. He gets comparisons to Butler, to DeRozan, to uh, Dwayne Wade even. Those guys were never efficient jump shooters. 45% field goal guy, that's fine. Be average from three-point. He's already pretty average at threes. But develop a mid-range maybe. Become stronger with your right. So you don't have trouble down at the rim. And improve your foul shooting. You know, become work on that off-the-dribble shot. Um, of course, other aspects of his game, like playmaking, uh, maybe defense. I, obviously, we talk about that. I want to see more of. You know, but, but it's mainly the shooting efficiency when it comes to R.J. Barrett with me. Uh, and most importantly, I would like to see just as a leader, RJ, step up and be that guy. Establish himself as a leader. Because, again, he's got the gamer mentality. He is a gym rat. He's determined. 
if you look at the guy, he's never smiling. He's always locked in 24-7. Got the monotone voice, which is kind of a good thing. I love it. Um, so I want to see him step up and be that leader. He just got his bag. He's the most talented player on the roster. He's no longer a 19-year-old rookie either. right? This is his fourth season now. So it's time to take charge and become that alpha. Have a voice. Speak up. Demand the ball more when you want it. Did so last year a little bit. But I think this is the year to take that big step. So, I'm excited. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a great season. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Knicks have a shot to do some things. I, I Their starting five, most likely... Let's talk about that. Let's talk about their starting five, um, their bench, the rotation and everything, who we think we're going to see, who we want to see. Um, I just want to head to a quick break real quick. When we get back, we'll, st- we'll talk a little more about that. Be with, uh, Stay with us. Be right back. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to BD4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to BD4blog.com. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 411 of BD4. <clears throat> so, like I was saying, I um, the starting five is most likely pretty much set. Right, It's going to be Jalen Brunson, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. The bench, um, let's see, if we're doing a 10-man rotation... Um, I would probably say the bench will be, the regulars will be IQ, Rose, Grimes, Obi, and hopefully Sims. And the reserves, you know, DNP guys, unfortunately probably going to be Cam Reddish, uh, Deuce McBride, this Hartenstein kid, and the two rookies. And like I said, we were talking a little bit about it at the start of the show. The closing lineup is, is really what I'm intrigued to see. Not the starting line. I really want to see who we close with. Because I have a lot of uh, rota- I got a lot of rotations I want to see. I want to see Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Randall, Mitch. Right? I want to see IQ, D-Rose, RJ, Randall, Mitch. I want to see Obi close over. Like I want to see a lot of different things. A lot of lineups you can tinker with. But I do think we should focus more on defense down the stretch. Um, so I would love to see, I, I would love to see Grimes in there somewhere, whether he could play the two or three, uh, RJ is going to be in there, but I, I really do think IQ should be given some, some closing minutes at point as well, but we'll see again, it's, it's going to be a numbers crunch. Um, but all in all, you know, I, I don't. Listen, the Knicks won 37 games last year. Um, I, I think this year they have a very similar roster, practically the same, but with Brunson. Um, it looks like they'll... I'm going to say they get about three to five more wins. I, I would say... So I'm going to be more on the conservative side and say 41 and 41. That's going to be my final guess. I think the Knicks go 41 and 41. 
uh, I think they'll be like ninth place in the uh, Eastern Conference, which is good enough for a play-in tournament. Not 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 the uh, playoffs yet. They'll probably become a play-in team. Excuse me, but you know, I I kind of I I kind of set myself up for a conservative estimate because I believe that the last episode we talked Knicks. Um, I said if they got Mitchell, they'd be a 46-win team. So I can't really go much higher than 41. You know, and without Mitchell, they are risking another no-man's-land type season where they might not even make the playoffs and they might be good enough to not get a great draft pick at the same time. But the last time we underestimated the Knicks, they won out and they had themselves a season in 2020. Of course, the last time we overestimated them last season... They have themselves a disappointing year. Um, but the East is deep. Let, let's not, you know, let's not be uh, unrealistic. It's a pretty deep conference. However, there, there's a window there, right? I mean, Chicago doesn't have Lonzo Ball for a while. Boston, I mean, they're in fucking shambles. Forget the fact that Williams uh, Williams is hurt. Gallinari's not going to be playing for a bit. And now they're head coach. There's a whole fucking thing going on with Udoka. We already we, we won't even get into that. So there's definitely a window there. It's just how big is that window, and and can the Knicks sneak into it, right? And as you can see on the screen, if you're watching the podcast, this is their schedule for the first 18 games. So 18 games is about a month in the NBA. And I hate doing the on paper shit, but if you look at this schedule. It looks like 8 and 10, uh, 10 and 8 at best, in that area from 8 to 10 wins in their first 18 games. And you know, again, they might be around that mark all year. 500, a couple above, maybe a couple below. You know, so, so <laughs> Memphis on opening night is tough. And I think that's a nationally televised game on ESPN. And I, I think that one's on the road. Then they're home against the Pistons. I think they could take care of the Pistons. They got a shot at Orlando, at Charlotte. So that's three and one, you know, for if we're doing a little game here. The Bucks, I say three and two. I say three and three against the Cavs. The Hawks game's a toss-up. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because we're in a good move and say four and three. Four and four after the Sixers. Four and five after Boston. Five and five, I want to say, after Minnesota. I just feel like they can take that. Five and six against the Nets, even though I don't think they're that good anymore. Um, six and six, uh, Detroit. I still feel like we can take them again. We'll go seven and six against OKC. Seven and seven, seven and eight, seven and nine against Utah, Denver, and Golden uh, Golden State. Seven and ten against the Suns, and then we'll go eight and ten uh, with a win against OKC. So yeah, I mean that, that's exactly what I just said. Eight to eight to ten wins. You know, there might be some upsets. Might be some. Upsets for both sides, but yeah, I, I I hope I hope for for good things, you know. Now speaking of you know predictions and projections and things like that, um, we're gonna do that again. Uh, we're gonna go throughout the entire roster and we're gonna give out some projected stats that I came up with for each player. All right, we'll run through it too because we already basically talked about what we think on the roster and everything. So we'll just run through some projected numbers of each of these players and. Um, and that'll be that. And now I'm gonna give give you a warning here. I have one crazy optimistic prediction this year. 
a hot take, if you will. And I'll let you know when that hot take is, but you'll probably see it. You'll probably hear it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. I don't. I, I'm not going to tell you um, until after I read this person's stats, because I want to see if you can get it on the spot who that hot take is. You'll you'll know. <laughs> All right. So we're going to head to a quick break. When we get back, we'll run through some of these projections. Stay with us. Be right back. You're listening to BE4. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 411 of BD4. Thanks for stopping by. So we'll start at point guard, starting point guard. And um, I got Jalen Brunson going for 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists with the Knicks on 48% from the field, 36% from 3, 86% at the line. Those are Jalen Brunson's projections. Moving on to R.J. Barrett. I got 22 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists for Barrett on a career high 44% from the field. Actually, I think he did that second season. 35% from 3 and 77% of the stripe. I think we'll get better with his efficiency. Evan Fournier. 15 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Very similar to last year. 44% field goals, 39% 3, 78% from the free throw line. Julius Randle, 19 points, 10 boards, 4 assists. Very similar to last season. However, I think with the point guard now, um, and last season on his mind, I think he'll make the effort to become a better more efficient basketball player. And I think 47% from the field, 33% from three, and 78% at the line, which is a lot better than what he was. And we go to our our starting center, Mitchell Robinson. I have him nine points, 10 boards, two blocks, 70% field goals, and 52% at the free throw line. I'm excited for Mitch. You know, I think he, he also just got a contract. And I think he's going to have a career year. I hope he can stay healthy. As we go to the bench, Emmanuel quickly, I have going for 12 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, 42% field goals, 38% from 3, and 87% free throws. D. Rose, 13 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, 45%, 35%, 85% across the line. We go to Quentin Grimes. I think Quentin Grimes is going to have a solid year. He's really going to establish himself as a solid 3 and D wing. 
10 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, 46%, 38%, 81%. Some Knicks fans will probably think that's a very disrespectful, conservative estimate. And I'm hoping that is too. But that's a, that's a solid line for a second-year player. Deuce McBride, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be part of the team consistently. So I just want 5-2-2. Two, and two. 38%, 33%, Obi Toppin. Um, again, it's hard to tell because he's not, you know, given uh, Thibodeau's comments. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but I just want conservative for the time being. Said 10 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, 59%, 34%, and 74%. Cam Reddish. I got 15 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. 48%, 32%, Correct. This this was this was the one. This was the uh the hot take. That's I know it's not gonna happen. Alright. I know it's beyond unrealistic. Um, especially given everything we just said about him and, and how he's probably not gonna play a ton. But I, because he's my favorite player on this team outside RJ. I just want him to do... I want to see it. I want to see it happen. So I'm trying to talk it into existence. Right? And I know... Again, I know that's not going to happen. These are bullshit numbers. But I'm just doing it because I want to see it. Alright, so Cam's going to find a way to revive himself. Put up 15-7-4 for the Knicks. And be efficient. 48%. God, would that be nice. The dude has all the tools, man. It's just about that motor. And lastly... Jericho Sims off the bench. Again, I don't know how much he'll play. I do hope he'll play some. Because they usually like to give Mitch 25 minutes. So maybe they can give uh, Sims the other 23 or whatever it is. You know? And that'd be great if they do. But if he still gets, you know, minutes sparringly. Um, I, I guess I probably should have went better stats here. Because Taj Gibson is no longer on the roster. So maybe Sims does get... I mean, Sims is good. I think Sims is going to be a really solid backup. I know we didn't talk a lot about him in this episode, but I think he'll be a solid backup big. So the five points, six boards, one block is only because I don't think he'll play much. But he might actually. 59%, 55%. I don't know. He might be much better than I think. Because he might get time. But um, that's it. Those are our projections real quick. Just ran through them. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Going to head to our final break. When we get back in 15 seconds, we'll wrap it up with the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. And that'll be that for this episode of BD4. Stay with us. We'll be back one more time. All right, so that was a little longer than 15 seconds. My apologies. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, though. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. We're going to wrap it up with our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day for 411. Let's get to it.
All right. Welcome back to the show. Episode 411. Let's wrap it up with our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. So for this episode, I'm asking you, who made the most three-point shots on the 2012-2013 Knicks roster? I have a feeling I've asked that before, so... You know, if this is a question I'm repeating, my apologies. But who made the most three-point shots on the 2012-2013 Knicks roster? Let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. If you don't get it correct, I'll let you know what it is in the next show. Who made the most three-point shots on the 2012-2013 Knicks roster? I've had a lot of questions about the 2013 roster just because it was a time... That was good for Knicks fans, and I really enjoyed that season. And it was also one of the first seasons I watched as a diehard Knicks fan. I believe I hopped on board during the Jeremy Lin era, which was in uh, 2011, 2012, maybe the year before that. But, yeah, 2013 was fun. All right, guys, that's it. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and all that fun stuff. And I will see you in the next episode. The Knicks start on the 4th, so... Uh, we're going to be recapping throughout the season. I don't know how much, how many uh, episodes we'll have out for the preseason this month. But happy October. Going to go watch some Halloween. And um, it's raining Saturday. Getting the downpour from that hurricane. But um, yeah, thanks guys. And I'll see you in the next one. All right. Ciao. I fucking hate that I can never find the outro, so I'm just sitting here looking like an idiot. <laughs> what the fuck? Here it is. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.